They're speakers, authors, and real-life rock stars, bringing you life-changing thoughts that rock. Taking conversation all the way to 11. Most shows only go to 10. Well, it's one louder, isn't it? These go to 11. To 11. This is Thoughts That Rock. Now, here are your hosts, Jim Knight and Grant Menzoir. Let's get it started. Mm-hmm. Let's get it started in here. Okay. Let's get it started. Whatevs. Let's get it started in here. Can can we just get started? Welcome, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us on Thoughts That Rock. It's your favorite podcast. You know, the one that's about exchanging two pieces of life-changing advice that we gently mold and squeeze into about 30 minutes or so. Yeah, we totally get it. We know how busy you are, and uh, you got a lot of things going on. Life's coming at you at about 100 miles an hour, and so trying to grab just a few moments so you can get a little bit of wisdom to amp up your life, they're hard to come by. We totally understand that, which is why it doesn't really matter what you're doing. You could be practicing your three-point shooting or bailing hay or watching pythons eat their prey. It doesn't really matter. We just want to be the 30 minutes that you look forward to. That's a little, that's a, Jim, that's a little crazy. Who sits there and watches snakes eat their prey? Whatever. Listen, Thoughts That Rock helps support Cannonball Kids Cancer, which is an absolutely fantastic nonprofit focused on providing options to kids who have been told that there aren't any more options. CKC helps identify innovative options, then provides the funding needed to actually have the treatment for these kids who need it. So we are so excited to support them. Uh, You know, they absolutely, (laughs) Jim, cannot hold it together today. And it's part of what makes this podcast amazing. It's also why we don't record live. Uh, Just a quick reminder, whatever format you're using to listen to the podcast, if you like the show, we would love it if you would take a moment to give us a rating and even more importantly, give us a written review. Yeah. Th- those written comments, they actually really help us get in front of the people that we need to help us both grow the show, but also better support Cannonball Kids Cancer. Yeah. Also puts us in front of those niche groups who like to sit there and watch snakes eat their prey. Yes. So super yes. important for our fans of Animal Planet and the Discovery Channel. <laughs> there's, there's one or two out there. So whatever we can do. To get your pet python in the mood. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I think I know what to do. Oh, it's business time, Jim. It's business time. Well, our guest today is Don Yeager, great friend of mine. Don is uh, he's a keynote speaker, a business leadership coach. Get this brand, an 11 time New York Times bestselling author, and uh, is a longtime writer and associate editor for Sports Illustrated. I've known Don and followed him for many years. And so, first, right out of the gate, Don, you know, just welcome to Thoughts That Rock. We're honored. Hey, thank you. I hope I rock uh, well enough or have a thought worthy enough to. Uh, have <laughs> well, normally we only allow 12 time bestselling right. authors. We're making uh, an exception. We're making here. an exception. Well, good. Hopefully, uh, hopefully in a few months I'll be able to meet that criteria. That's right. <laughs> so if you don't know anything about Don, uh, you know, he, his talks now just center on discussing lessons on achieving greatness and he, he learned a lot of that firsthand from the experiences, I think from, probably some of the greatest sports sports legends in the world. Some of those are with teams. Some of those are individuals. 
Um, Don has written 28 books so far, and not all of them are sports. I mean, several of those are some of my favorite political books, um, most notably and, and lately with um, Brian Kilmeade, especially love Thomas Jefferson and the Tripoli Pirates and Andrew Jackson and the Miracle of New Orleans. Um, but again, all of your books, brother, are just they're fantastic. Um, Don's a great storyteller. And I know, Don, you've been featured in just pretty much every major talk show. I've seen you on CNN and, and Good Morning America and Nightline and Brandt. You watch Oprah. I remember you, you, that's where you probably saw Don. Um, Don was, uh, in, in fact, I think featured on that show when, and you can correct me if I'm wrong on this, I think one of your pieces about uh, child molestation and youth sports, uh, that that's really yeah. what triggered a national uproar, and, and it got you onto Oprah and Dateline, and that resulted in some changes to the law, I think, and, and not only that, but also Little League America. Um, you know, their baseball rules that, that now require background checks with coaches and volunteers. That was part of, uh, because of the writing that you did. Is that correct? It is. I have to say, it's funny when people ask, you know, what story is your favorite? And it's like, you know, gosh, you've written a ton and I'm old, obviously. Um, but, uh, I, I, I point to that one, not because of the comfort of the subject, but because of the impact, uh, that ultimately it had. So yeah, very, um, uh, really proud of that one. Yeah, it's great. And you know, on a, obviously we can't list all of of your greatest hits here, but you know, he, he, Brant, just just so you feel a little bit inadequate, here's just a taste of some of the things he has done. Just in case you know you feel like your 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 life you haven't done enough. Check this out. He has hiked through Afghanistan with the Mujahideen as they fought the Soviets. Number one, he went into Baghdad with the victorious Iraqi soccer team while the U.S. military and insurgents were battling all around them, right? He's visited China in pursuit of underworld characters counterfeiting American golf clubs. He's traveled to Damascus to find the last living terrorist from the 1972 Olympics. He's lived with football legend Walter Payton and his family as as Payton was, you know, on his way as he was passing. And he's traveled with the... you know, presidential candidates from both parties during their campaign. So, you know, no, no big deal. Just a little I, light walk in the park. I play the guitar. So. <laughs> well, I play the ukulele because with four strings, it's easier. That's the truth. You had to up him. You <laughs> had right. to up Brad. I, I can't even get the guitar thing. Not He's got me that. with the ukulele. He does. So, uh, you know, Don, you do a lot. And I know you also have a, man, just a, a political consulting business. You own a PR firm. What don't you do? It's, it's just... We're so honored that, uh, you know, out of all the things, I probably know you as a speaker and a writer more than anything else, but we're just so thrilled that you're here. So we, we do things a little bit different uh, versus the traditional podcast interview. Um, we basically are going to open the floor up to you and go right to the heart of the matter, man, and just looking for uh, your, your big piece of advice. What is your thought that rocks? Thoughts that rock, number one. You know, when you challenged me with that, Jim, I, I, I think uh, it was fun. I, I sat down and I, I scribbled a few on a sheet of paper, tried to think what would be worthy of a discussion, um, and, uh, and 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 I really kind of came down to a, a game-changing moment for me that occurred, uh, gosh, almost 20 years ago now. Uh, I was um, working at Sports Illustrated. I had um, I had heard that uh, that Shaquille O'Neal who was the hip-hop star of the L.A. Lakers at the time, starring in amazing movies like Kazam. Right. Um, 
that uh, that Shaq uh, was going out, a uh, 26-year-old guy, was going out on a regular basis to um, have sessions with uh, John Wooden. Yeah. And uh, who at the time was 88, was this amazing coach, uh, obviously long retired, but a font of wisdom and knowledge. And so Coach Wooden um, actually uh, uh, had said, to um, and, and I'd heard about this, and so I'd asked for an opportunity to kind of sit along and join in one of these sessions. And what I came to understand was that they weren't they were they were mentoring sessions. Shaq was learning from hmm. Coach Wooden, and I thought, how crazy is that? Twenty six, eighty eight, you know, uh, African American superstar, um, gentle, uh, old man, right? You know, like these two don't have anything in common. Uh, so what do we um, what do we do? How do we um, how, how do I learn? How do, what, what do they do in those in that time that they're together? So I asked for permission to join them uh, for a session, and uh, and it was fascinating because they never once talked about basketball. Huh. Uh, they talked about being a better father, better uh, a better teammate, uh, a more coachable uh, athlete, um, uh, how to lead. Right? There's all this really great stuff, and. Um, and so I'm getting up, I'm leaving uh, this several-hour conversation, and as I do so, I uh, I just casually looked at Coach Wooden and said, Coach, I'm just fascinated. Like, how does how does someone get coached? How does someone get mentored? Like, this is a mentoring session. How does someone get mentored by John Wooden? <laughs> and he said, um, you ask. <laughs> and uh, And I thought, well, gosh, how many people ask? And uh, I asked, and so I asked that question. He said, "Not as many as you might think. Most people select themselves out of the opportunity by coming up with a million reasons why this person would never mentor me." Right? And um, uh, so I went away. Was kind of that that thought hated me for a while. And I ultimately, about thirty days later, called Coach Wooden. I'd uh, written a little something, and I asked him what he thought. He was very gracious. And I said, "Coach, it feels like I was supposed to ask." And he said, I wonder what took you so long. <sighs> and so we entered into a relationship that allowed me every other month for 12 years to fly to California nice. uh, to spend a day learning from one of the great leaders of all time, right, John Wooden. Wow. And um, and so during one of those early sessions, we started talking about uh, the power of your inner circle, right? And, 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 and he had this phrase, he said, you will never outperform your inner circle. Uh, if you want to want to look at what your what your capacity for success is, look at the people you you have in that circle uh, in your personal life, uh, in your professional life, wherever that might be. Uh, look at that circle because that will define uh, what you're capable of achieving. And I thought, man, that's powerful. And next thing you know, he whips out a sheet of paper. He draws two lines down the down the middle of the paper, you know, toward the middle of the paper establishing three columns, right, on the sheet. And he said, I want you to, tonight to take this first column and I want you to write down the five people you spend your most time with in your personal life, right? Um, not not who you wish you spent time with, but who you, who you really spent your time with. Then over here on the next column, five people in your professional life. Who do you spend your time with? Who are you in relationship, conversation with? Who do you hang out the water cooler with? And the third column was uh, any other 
environment that you might where you might have a third environment like a um, social clubs or Kiwanis or church or whatever it might be, right, that don't necessarily fit in the first two. And so by the time you're done, you will have a list of the 15 people, really in these three spaces, that you spend your time with. And he said, then I need you to go one by one and ask yourself, are they going where you're going? Um, are they... Um, are, are they encouraging and, and like, are they part of what you want to achieve or are they, um, are, are they the anchor uh, that's keeping you from going to the next level? Um, if every time you see them, uh, you have to go through drama and challenge, yeah. um, you know, are they that? And, if, and he said, by the time you're done with this exercise, uh, if you just decide that they're not going where you're going, your job is to strike them from Take the them list. Take them off the list, yeah. yeah. And, and, uh, and find a new five, right? And so it was this powerful exercise. And it became, I, I wasn't a big New Year's resolution guy anyway, but it became part of my, uh, my whole New Year's model, right? I, I, would, in, into, I would intentionally and intellectually sit down with my list, ask myself what changes had been made and should be made, and then I would go about making changes to the people I gave my time to um, and the people whose time I sought. And in that process, I constantly, um, uh, vigilantly uh, managing my inner circle, uh, what I found was um, an unbelievable um, uh, level of comfort and success. Right? I, I no longer felt I had to, because I, I, I did, I had people on that list, my initial list, who I felt I had to explain my drive to. Right? People who weren't wired like me to the place they thought I was weird. Right? Yeah. And, um, and, I'm, and, and I am, I probably am, and, I, and, and to them I will always be. But rather than spending my time doing that, I wanted to, no, I wasn't looking for people who were just yes people. I wasn't looking for people who were just going to give me, um, uh, you know, echo chamber what I was thinking or feeling. What I was, what I needed, and was looking for was the ability um, to um, to to have in that circle um, people who uh, were appreciative of what I was attempting to achieve and encouraging of what it was going to take for me to get there. I wonder if I've ever been on that list. I wonder if I'm on that. Uh, it's never, okay if you've, you've stricken me you've off. Never, you, were, you were on the first list. I was on the first list, but <laughs> yeah, I've, been, okay. I've been off. Uh, I understand. Well, I think no, it's, it, you know, it's got to be one of the most difficult, at least for me in my experience, uh, from a leadership standpoint, one of the most difficult lessons is you know, sometimes the people who get you to where you are aren't the people who are going to take you to where you want to go. Absolutely. And right. it, it's and it's hard when when you've built those relationships, right? And you've got the, those ties, and you don't want to hurt anyone's feelings. But at the same time, um, you know, I, I would assume from your from what you have seen done, especially in the in the sports world, this has got to be one of the premier reasons why athletes end up bankrupt, right? I mean, the people who sort of got them to where they are, all of a sudden, you know, they, they, they make it in the NBA or the NFL or whatever it is, and now they've got millions and, and they've got 26 family members on payroll and they've got old, you know, friends from, you know, their neighborhood and, and they're trying to do the right thing by giving everybody a job and sort of taking everybody along on the ride. But before you know it, it's it's it all comes crashing down, right? 
Yeah, no, that's that's absolute. But it, it's also, uh, I mean, I, you know, I think you might have seen some of it kind of playing itself out if you happen to be a fan of the NBA or mm-hmm. international this summer and free agency. What guys, you know, what they were looking for was they wanted to be around people that that they felt comfortable with. Not miss, not always just people that could help them win, but people that that could help them feel comfortable and um uh and, and in that uh you um, you begin to be uh, you create for yourself the opportunity uh, to be your very best right i mean we see that with Kawhi. you know i i can't imagine you know, everybody had their guess right as to where he's going to end up and and uh does he does he go to la and in in almost become a third fiddle just from the the sheer stuff that had happened prior to to him making his decision um or or does he decide to go somewhere else and and have maybe a little more creative control if you will over what what the team's going to look like or how how the the game might be played in that area and he ends up you know bypassing a chance to play with with two of the greats uh in the lakers here and, and ends up going somewhere was that a shock to you to see him do that no, actually, it wasn't because again, I, I'm well. First off, I I don't know Kawhi, but but I also I, I know people who have played with him mm-hmm. who would also tell you they don't know Kawhi, right? So, <laughs> um, and and I think people who say, oh no no, I got the guy down are lying to you. Um, so, um, not understanding completely how he's wired. What what he was looking for was comfort, right? It was a place um, where he would feel like um, uh, this was. Uh, not forced upon him. I mean, you know, Toronto was a good deal. Obviously, he did well there, but it wasn't his choice, and it, and he actually didn't want to go there. Uh, he made the best of it, did okay, obviously. But I think in his mind, this was his first opportunity of his career to say, "These are the, this is who I want to play with." And uh, he looked around at the people he felt comfortable with, made a couple phone calls. Yep. And, uh, you know, and I, I, I can only imagine what he and Paul George will do. Right. Well, I mean, on the other side of the spectrum, you've got, you know, Zion here t- today has announced that he he signs with Jordan uh, uh, for his shoe deal. And, you know, he, he's got to be right at the beginning of this stage of, of creating this list, right? It's got to be one of the most important things he is about to, to do is to figure out his five in each one of these columns and, and sort of... Who is he going to surround himself with? And, you know, even from, I mean, gosh, he plays one game in the summer league and, and they, they, you know, smacks knees with someone and they, and they take him out. So, I mean, this is the, the amount of pressure on this kid is, is enormous at this point. Oh, without question. And, uh, but, you know, I, it feels like he's going to be okay. Yeah. Uh, you know, the biggest challenge is, Obviously, uh, you know, I don't think even, I mean, and I, I've known Coach K long enough to know he's not one to be out there openly criti- critical of anybody, right? He's right. a, um, uh, especially his guys, and um, and that he was critical of the way um, Zion prepared himself over the summer yep. uh, before that, uh, and, and the condition he came to um, uh, was, was surprising to me. So. Yeah. You know, but but again, I think all this kind of comes down to this idea: right? are are you? And that's one of the challenges of a drafted sort of, uh, you know situation, or a, um, is that you you don't get to choose who your five are yep. often, right? Yeah. Um, 
the world conspires to pick this for you. What Coach Wooden was teaching me was that uh, that if you want to be sustainably excellent, go out there and find those five that will that will help you uh, be your very best, and then um, and then make them a part of who you are. Make them a part of your uh, regular um, and uh, routine conversations. And, uh, you know, it was interesting because one of the five uh, in that early um, list for me was a family member, right? And that's difficult. It's, you know, you've got, uh, but sometimes it's somebody you're, you're, you're calling out of obligation or you're, 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 but the drama and the challenge was just always eating at me. And you, you don't, you don't publish your five, right? right so it's right. not like you go out there and <laughs> yeah. you say, hey, you, by the way, you're no longer on the list. Um, although I did tell Jim that yes. just now. Yeah. I do so, know. You know. I'm Jim, aware of it now. Um, but you, um, but what I just, so my, I asked Coach that question, how do I do that? And he said, look, um, maybe devote a little less time to those conversations. Hmm. Yeah. And a little less time, and a little less time, and, 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 but don't just devote a little less time. Devote a little more time to somebody else who does belong in that list. Mm. And so that was um, again. This is this is about intention. Yep. And about picking who it is that you um, that you want to travel with, because that's that will define um, how far you go. Did you have difficulty? coming up with the courage to maybe ask some of the people that you wanted um, to sort of maybe be in a mentorship type role with you? Uh, no, actually, because I, I, yeah, maybe it's the journalist in me. I don't know. I'm, mm-hmm. uh, Curiosity. Maybe it's the, maybe, maybe it's the um, you know, my, my dating life and my, I'm, I'm, I was good at getting rejected. I'm not sure, I, but I was, uh, I was fully, I, but I also, um, one of the things that Coach was trying to teach me in that was that if you do that, you don't, you don't approach somebody and say, oh, here's the deal, I'd like you to, yeah, right. I want to spend more time with you, because it's going to be good for me. That's right. right. That's right. Um, what you have to do is um, you have to let someone know that you value them greatly, you value what you can learn from them, and then you want to ask uh, quickly, uh, and then you want to pivot that conversation quickly, too, and I... Uh, here are the things I promise you. If you give me some of your time, I promise these things, and um, and hopefully part of what you promise them is that they'll be uh, they'll grow from the relationship as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so I love that word. Um, I was just thinking when you used intention. I know we say that a lot. It's probably quite the buzzword, but you do have to be very specific about you know who you intentionally surround yourself with. Um, you know, you probably know our good friend, Kathleen Wood, uh, w- one of my best friends. Um, she gave me some advice. She maybe even got this from John Wooden. I don't know. She said, listen, you got to be intentional about that inner circle. And she had a list of 10. It wasn't five for her to go and visit with. Like her whole goal was let me just do an invite. Some of these people she didn't know of 10 people. I'm going to go hang out, spend a day with them. Um, and, and she just thought, I want to enhance and sort of upgrade my inner circle. And so, you know, I said, I'm going to do the same thing. And I did. And after I think being involved in, in a lot of businesses that I probably had no direct control, I had no uh, real desire to be in them other than to probably make a little bit of money. 
Um, I decided to change a lot of that and I got out of that stuff. But along the way, I made my list. I um, started to put down a few people that I knew that I admired and, and respected, but then also a couple that I didn't know. And uh, I've been on this sort of amplifier tour, I call it. Um, and, and I, you know, whether it's businesses or, or it's uh, individual, um, I just think that we've got to be more intentional with who we surround ourselves with. And when you do that, the result obviously is going to be you're going to be happier, there's less stress, you're more effective, you're probably healthier. So, you know, whether you got that from coach and she got that from coach, I think it does get sprinkled down that, um, you know, that inner circle is now critical. And as you get older in life, it probably becomes even more important um, to figure out where do you want to spend your time and energy and effort and money and rigor and all that stuff. Do you agree? Absolutely. Absolutely. And I, you know, and that is, I think that's what's been so cool about um, turning this into a process for myself. And that's why when you challenged me, when the question was like, what would be that idea that rocks this, uh, this, this really stood out to me as, uh, as my idea or the idea that really caught my attention because it did, it, it did, it made me, um, this was the idea where I began the process of, uh, of, of just being, um, uh, challenging even of myself like uh, is that is that just a converse is that just a relationship of convenience mm -hmm. um or am i um or am i am I, and am i contributing into the relationship like yeah. is someone better because i'm helping them right and so i think that's kind of that's kind of a cool uh next place for me too is to make sure that um that these are not all take relationships right yeah yeah i love it it's actually a perfect transition, I think, to to the second thought that yeah. uh, that we wanted to share with you, Don. And uh, I think it's pretty amazing. This this is something that Jim has said for a long time, and um, I think it sort of harkens back to your inner circle, right? But but the thought that that we wanted to share with you is this: Four Rock Number Two. Position your business to be tattoo worthy. And Jim, can you give us a little bit of the background where that came from? Yeah, um, and and hopefully that spins off nicely with with yours, Don. I you know at the end of my presentations, a lot of times if I've got time, I'll throw some pictures up there of a bunch of people. You, you can't really see their faces, but a lot of people that have tattoos of company logos. And some of those pictures are customers, they're fans of the brand, and others are like team members. They actually work for the company. It could be Taco Bell or Apple or Disney or Walmart, whatever it is, right? And it just it's interesting to me. And people, it, they, it is a little bit of shock and awe for some audiences. But the fact that somebody is so impacted or in love with the company that they would put the brand's logo on their body for all time is just, I mean, that's probably the ultimate, right? And I used to teach a corporate university at Hard Rock when I was there for 21 years. So about 16 of those 21 years, we ran a conference called Rock 101. And it was pretty much like, I think, any corporate university. We taught some basic stuff, how to read a P&L, how to coach and counsel an employee, how to do an interview, how to handle guest complaint, like all the practical, tactical stuff that I think a lot of companies will do. But some of the things that you absolutely could not get anywhere, I don't care where you came from, you're not going to sit through a class of music appreciation 
or memorabilia or the power of the brand or philanthropy is instrumental, like really cool, fun, cultural stuff. And so you would get these pretty interesting humans in a room that were leaders. Now, remember, these are these are managers and leaders, not staff members. And we did it four times a year, this conference. Didn't matter if you were at a hard rock cafe or a hotel casino. Everybody came through that. I, I won't make up a statistic, but I bet you every two or three conferences, there would be a group of these managers that would go get tattoos together. Some of them, their very first tattoo. And every once in a while, a couple of them would come back with like the uh, Hard Rock Cafe logo inked on their shoulder or Hard Rock Hotel on their calf muscle. And they were so proud. They'd show me in the morning. They're like, look what I did. And I'm like, dude, that never comes off. You know that, right? And their answer was always something like, yeah, I know it. I'm in it for the long haul, man. I have interviewed for the last time in my life. And so for me, it was like as an employer, you love that. And plus, in my head, I'm always thinking, you're basically unemployable everywhere else, right? <laughs> it, it, it is amazing to me that people are so passionate, committed, brand ambassadors, that the work environment, it resonates with them. The company values, the team that they work with, which is what you talk about quite a bit, You know that a, that a customer or, or an employee are so emotionally connected that they, that they would put the company logo, that you become tattoo worthy. So... You know, again, it is about surrounding yourself with the right people, that inner circle. Um, hopefully, if you get that thing right, you're worthy of getting tattooed on somebody's body. Um, does that freak you out, or have you seen that uh, out there <laughs> as you're doing some speeches? So, um, I, I, you know, when I got your note that that was where you guys were going to take this A, <laughs> that's the beauty of, uh, of of knowing you, Jim, well enough to uh, to
you're right. When I see people with like a Starbucks logo or an Apple logo or they're all in tattooed, I'm thinking, gosh. Um, now, could tell you, I, I love I love certain brands, and the single one of them I would think about, you know, <laughs> um, like inking in a way that uh, that I that I could not easily uh, pull out an eraser, uh, and um, so. But you know, I'm also a wimp. I mean, I I I, I have that fear, like, oh my god, that's gotta hurt. Oh, I can't believe that. Anyway, we have low thresholds for pain. Brant does not. Yeah, Brant's actually yeah. got a new tattoo. Tell tell him about this one because this fits in perfectly with what we're talking about. Yeah, you know, it's interesting, Don. You know, for me, uh, I've got several tattoos, and and the tattoos all sort of commemorate uh, some sort of important moment in my life, both good and bad. Um, and, uh, so, so I look and sort of think about your thought of, of your inner circle and who you surround yourself with and all those sorts of things. And, and the real question to ask is, is, are these people in your life worthy? Forget about whether you're going to do it or not, but are they worthy? Do you care that much? Do they mean that much to you? Um, that, that, that the thought would cross your mind. And, you know, for me, uh, I've got one tattoo of a, of a Holy Spirit dove uh, sort of wrapped in the middle of lyrics to a song from Coldplay that says, Lights will guide you home and ignite your bones, which, you know, my son uh, had cancer and uh, had a bone marrow transplant. And this song literally rallied 500,000 people to save his life uh, through a YouTube video when we were told there was wow. there was no options. We found an option through social media, um, in this song, uh, th that just rallied the troops and got people to believe that there was an answer out there that, that we just didn't know. Um, and, and before you go on, Brian, yeah. you know, I don't know, I didn't mention this at the top of the podcast, but in addition to working with countless fortune 500 companies, Don does a lot with cancer survivor groups and, and, you know, that resonates with us because our show supports cannonball kids cancer. I didn't know if you knew that Don. I didn't know. Yeah, yeah. it's, oh, it's, um, you know, for, for me, the new tattoo I got is, uh, uh, the new book I'm working on is centered around, uh, finding your black sheep. And the, the concept for me was I, I was sort of blown away when I started to do some research uh, for the new book. And I've always been fascinated with black sheep. And, and what I found was that the reason I, most people don't understand why we don't value black sheep. And, and the reason is because their wool can't be dyed. And as somebody who teaches on core values and purpose, uh, that, that's exactly who I want to be. I don't want to be influenced or persuaded to be something that I'm not. I want to be 100% authentically who I am. And uh, so, so for me, the black sheep is the perfect analogy for, for who we should all aspire to be. I'd rather be in a, in a flock of black sheep than anything else. And, and, uh, you know, this, this idea of me now putting, I had my son, um, I, I went to him and I said, Hey, can you, uh, make a, a black sheep look cool? <laughs> and, and he said, I think I can do that. And so he drew, he drew it out for me. And, uh, and now it's uh, it's my latest tattoo on my forearm, but it's a reminder for me, uh, that I have to be really who I am authentically me. And sometimes that makes that, that means making some really tough decisions and the people who I want in my life. And if they don't understand those core values that, that matter most to me, my non-negotiables, if, uh, if they don't at least respect 
what those non-negotiables are for me, it's going to be really tough for me to, to have a, a, any sort of a intimate relationship of any kind with them because this is why I do what I do. It's what, what drives me to get up every day and, and want to have the impact in people's lives that are going to, to sort of keep me energized and feel like I'm living out my purpose every single day. So, you know, the, the, the tattoo worthy thing for me becomes, you know, important from, from a reminding me of what matters most. Uh, I filter all my decisions through, through my six core values and, if, if they violate, if something violates those values, then the answer is no. And I don't feel bad about it. Right. And, and, um, you got to do a little bit of work in your life to know what those things are. I think even before I could ever think about having a discussion of who I would put in, in the buckets of five, if I don't know what matters most to me, I promise you that those choices are going to be wrong in some way, shape or form. So, you know, my goal is always to try to get people to do a little bit of work to define those non-negotiables, um, those four or five things that, that has been developed over the course of their lives. And they just outside of a catastrophic event, they don't change. They, they are who you are. They're not aspirational values. They are your personal core values. And, um, and so the tattoo for me, uh, my brand, if you will, of the black sheep, uh, just it, it sparks a conversation with everyone for me to try to help them find, you know, their internal black sheep. I'd love to, uh, I'd love to have that conversation with Don someday. Yeah. <laughs> Let's all three go finding, get matching, black finding sheep his black tattoos. sheep. Yeah, <laughs> I, I do. I love it. I actually think that's uh, that's that's some um, that's uh, really great thinking and that that idea that. Um, uh, uh, heck, flock of black sheep. Um, I'd, I'd listen to that band, actually. <laughs> cool hair. We already have the hair down. Yeah. That's right. Hair care products, no problem. Done. Well, I love it. I, I think. Um, thank you for the opportunity to engage the conversation because the the idea of uh, uh, the your podcast, the way you're doing it, um, as, as you as we spoke uh, earlier. Um, you know, I've I've been blessed to be a guest on a, on more than more than a handful, and and not many kind of uh, take what it is that you're uh, trying to share and learn and flipping it. So I I thought that was really uh, extraordinary. I really enjoyed it. Wow, that means a lot. That means a lot. Thanks, brother. Hey, Don. What um real quick? I know you've got some uh you know some movie rights have now been purchased on a couple of your books, and and I think I I saw somewhere that two of those are probably going to be slated to come out. Um, I don't know if you want to quickly talk about that before we wrap up, but what, what, what are you working on real quick? Well, um, so, uh, from the, from the movie side, all those things are always long-term and you know what, and it's, and, and there's uh, a new and new and different, uh, hiccup in that process all the time. Yeah. Yep. Uh, anytime I ever see, um, you know, someone who I know's uh, project actually, uh, ending up on the screen, I'm like, wow. I mean, kudos because I know how hard it is. Uh, but yes, I did a book on on the 2016 uh, Chicago Cubs World Series team, and specifically one player on that team and the rights to that. Uh, they have been not just sold but uh, written, um, screen written. Yeah. Um, and the uh, David Ross filming. Yeah, David Ross yeah. filming this schedule. That's great. All kinds of other things. So we're we're excited there, but. Um, uh, and then I did a book on a um, on Bear Bryant's last all white football team mm. uh, at the University of Alabama, and um, and and the transition into an integrated team uh, there, and uh, and that that too has uh, has been optioned. So, good, um, cool. you know, we're, we continue to play. I 
have another book coming out, my first non-book, non-sports autobiography. It comes out this fall. Uh, it's with a young man, the youngest recipient of the Congressional uh, Medal of Honor. Um, he uh, he threw himself. He was a 19-year-old Marine who threw himself on a uh, uh, on a grenade to save the uh, to save the the Marine next to him. Um, uh, and then 40 surgeries later, ran the Marine Corps Marathon. Wow, that's wow. amazing. That's um, amazing. And uh, name is Kyle Carpenter. You should look him up. Unbelievable. Yeah, we will. And we'll then, put it in the show notes. Uh, yeah. And then, uh, yeah, and then we developed this last year, our first, and, and I know this was a conversation point earlier, our first ever um, virtual learning course where uh, we built our first opportunity to be in the uh, teaching of others without being physically present, which is really cool and a neat way for people to kind of learn uh, from what you're doing, um, even when uh, um, even when you might be on an airplane. So that that opportunity has taken off and is growing uh, rapidly. Um, so we are, um, we're, we're proud. We're just, as you noted, lots of neat things kind of moving and, and, uh, and the, the, uh, we, we continue to try to play, um, at the highest level possible. You do. Right? Where, where can they stay connected with you and get all this information? Where, where would you like for us to send people? Oh, sure. So, uh, donyeager.com is the uh, website that uh, all your listeners can can uh, connect with. Uh, it's D-O-N-Y-A-E-G-E-R.com, uh, though I do own other spellings of it. <laughs> um, it'll be smart that way. And then um, the uh, we're, we're, we'll be able to, uh, you know, from there, there's all kinds of free content opportunities and ways to stay in touch, and it would be awesome. To yeah, be fantastic. All right, we'll send them all there. Brother, uh, really just fun watching your journey, and uh, you continue to put out great stuff, and, and I know you've been doing this for a while, but uh, you know, I look forward to anything and everything that you put out. And uh, you know, Brant and I have been talking about this for a while. We were just so lucky to get you on, the, uh, on Thoughts at Rock. So thank you so much for taking the time. All right. I appreciate you both. All right, buddy. Thanks, You're the best. We'll talk to you soon. Rock on. You bet. Awesome. Hey, rock stars. Thanks so much for tuning in. If you liked what you heard, please subscribe to make sure you don't ever miss an episode. And if you're interested in having Brant or me or both of us speak at your event, we're exclusively represented by Kepler Speakers, the industry's leading resource for booking conference keynotes. To start your unforgettable experience, go to KeplerSpeakers.com. Until next time, rock rock on. on! Ever heard of Stoicism? Chances are, if you have, you've heard of Stoicism with a lowercase s and not Stoicism with an uppercase s. Lone wolves, no emotions, antisocial behavior, cold, indifference, all that is Stoicism with a lowercase s. Stoicism with an uppercase s is the ancient Greek philosophy and virtue ethics framework that centers on service to the cosmopolis, to include your family, friends, community, and planet, and the development of a good moral character. My name is Tanner Campbell, and I'm the host of Practical Stoicism, a three times a week podcast teaching Stoic principles and concepts to anyone interested through the exploration of texts and deep dives into various moral topics. You can find Practical Stoicism where you're already listening to podcasts by searching for Practical Stoicism or by going to stoicismpod.com. I invite you to give it a listen today. You just might like it.